Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cricket Ultras, the only cricket podcast hosted by myself, Arun Sudharman, and by Darren Burns. Darren, how are you? I'm fantastic, Arun. How are you? I'm pretty good, actually. I'm in, uh, I'm in Delhi, uh, home of the, uh, the Indian Cricket Board, and, uh, and much else, of course. And the Delhi Daredevils. The Delhi Daredevils, and of course the Feroz Shah Kotla Stadium, uh, which I would not advise visiting in a hurry. I went there once for an India versus West Indies test match. It took me around two hours to figure out how to buy a ticket. Really? Um, Maybe that's yes. just you. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a convoluted process buying a, a single day ticket for an Indian right. test match. Um, so I, I, I'm going to try and go there this year to an IPL gamer because I think that Ricky Ponting is coaching the Delhi Daredevils. Is that correct? I'm not sure. I know he's coaching someone. But in the great tradition of um, Cricket Ultra's research, I have, no I, I have no idea. Uh, you're right. It is the Delhi Daredevils he is coaching. So are you actually going to watch them just because Ricky Ponting is coaching them? Do you feel that? I think Glenn Maxwell's also playing for them this oh, wow. season, which could be very exciting. And the bookmakers have them at the outsiders to win the tournament, which seems a bit strange to me. Well, you never know with the IPL. That's the one thing I've learned. You don't know. You, you really can't tell who's going to win. Um, I suspect for an IPL game, the Kotla Stadium is, is fine. Um, for a test match uh, where I was one of about 30 people in the stadium watching India versus West Indies. Great atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a crumbling stadium. It really needs a lot of work. So there was no ban like there was this week in South Africa? No bans being ejected from the stadium? A band being banned, in yes, fact. Yes, a band being banned. Yeah, so tell us about that. Well, let's, well, I guess we should start our whip round with South Africa, Australia. So much to discuss. And clearly yes. the biggest angle was, was the band being ejected. I, d I don't understand it. The players didn't mind, but the umpires did. Yeah, I don't know if, if the Australians complained about it, but, you know, Hashim Amla claimed that they were fine with it. And it just adds so much atmosphere to the, to the game because, it, you know, by no means was it a sellout, but there was, you know, enthusiastic band playing. There was enthusiastic people in the crowd getting into it, dancing and having fun. And it really added to the atmosphere of the whole match. So I don't know why they were thrown out, but they, they did later come back in again. So I think mm. it was a bit of a blip. I don't think the Australians complained. Um, mm. From what I understand, none, none of the players complained. The umpires did. Um, because umpires, you know, are such killjoys, clearly. They really are. <laughs> Always trying to dismiss batsmen. Um, Especially match referees. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, cricket needs all the help it can get, especially test cricket. Uh, why would you remove the music? I mean, we've seen it in Sri Lanka as well. The, the bands there are often <laughs> asked to tone it down. Although some of those bands I use in the, the loosest sense of the word. I'm not entirely sure what their musical background is. Um, then you have the Bar Miami, right? They just add such great atmosphere to the, to the matches. You know? there's, there's a brass band that plays at many yeah. England, England grounds. It, Fantastic. It's nuts. Um, so music off the pitch um, and a lot of noise on the pitch, Darren. And a bit of chin music on the, on the, on the pitch as well. Wow, not um, just chin music, a lot of chirping. And uh, Kagisa Rabada. Um, how good is he? Well, I mean, let's talk about his, his bowling performance first. Sensational stuff from the yeah. young man. We, we, we probably should mention the fact that for some listeners who don't actually follow the cricket, that 
uh, South Africa won the second test against Australia. And the man of the match was Kagiso Rabada, and he was absolutely on fire, the young man. Um, I think he now has four, four 10 wicket hauls, and he's only 22 years of age. It's something quite phenomenal. Uh, all those 10 wicket hauls are in, Australia, are in South Africa, but he has taken a couple of six and seven wicket hauls in England and Australia as well. He's just lethal on some of those wickets. Um, and he was a big difference. You know, Australia started the test match quite solidly. They won the toss, selected to bat. 98 for one at stumps uh, after the first session. You take that. But he absolutely destroyed the middle order in the afternoon with some reverse swing. And he, the great thing about Rabada is he has really fast arm speed and he moves the ball both ways. So he's an absolute handful. I mean, a couple of the balls he bowled to Warner, bowled him through the gate, were just sensational. Um, yeah, he's really an amazing bowler. Yeah, so he's now number one in the ICC test rankings. He's, um, he's, he's crossed 900 ranking points. He becomes just the fourth South African bowler to become number one after Vernon Philander, Sean Pollock, and Dale Stain. So he's in great company. Um, he's 22. Yep. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, he's only played. Yep. He's only played 28 Test matches. Um, yeah, tremendous bowler. But of course, the other big question about Kagisa Rabada is, he's not going to play a lot more Tests. Uh, mm if he keeps allowing his emotions to get the better of him. I have a little bit of sympathy for him, just a little, um, because I did, I did feel that um, he was quite pumped up. Um, mm. And I think, you know, he got into trouble. He's got into trouble on numerous occasions with his send-offs. So yes, a lot. The truth is he should have learned by now. Um, I really dislike it when bowlers run at the batsman in their send-off. I think it's yeah. a really easy thing to avoid. And even if he didn't make a lot of contact with Steve Smith, which is what you know some of his, his defenders have said, you know, he, he barely brushed Smith, I don't really think it matters because he ran straight at him. Yeah. Um, I, I, think that, I think one of the commentators was saying, and I think it's a really good analysis, is that you know, Dale Stain often carries on like a pork chop when he gets a wicket, but he doesn't carry on down the <laughs> wicket. So he sort of... Bowls the ball, gets the wicket, and then does a celebration on the spot. Whereas Kagusa Rabada, as you said, runs towards the batsman and get right in their face. And you know, it's 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 not the spirit of the game. I mean, you know, having banter during the time when the batsman's still batting is is interesting. Mm. But once you've got a guy out, there's no way he can respond anymore because he's out, right? So it's it's not an, it's not a fair contest anymore. So he has to rein that in. Um, but he needs to use the emotion. I think having the emotion and the passion is fantastic. But he just needs to work out how to rein that in a little bit. Yeah, I dislike send-offs. Um, I think they look pretty ugly, whoever's doing them. And, you know, there's, it's, it's, Kigusa Rabada is hardly alone in, um, yeah. in giving batsmen send-offs. It's, it's a, it's a yeah. problem, particularly for fast bowlers. I mean, you, you rarely see spinners doing it for whatever reason. Um, uh, except Shane Warne. Yeah, but, yeah, of course, yeah, Shane Warne, that's true. Um, but what amazed me about Kagisa Rabada, he gets this charge after the first innings, which looks likely to rule him out for the rest yeah. of the series. And then in the second innings, he goes ahead and gives David Warner, you know, a pretty stinging send-off. Um, yeah. <laughs> I you know, think it's quite funny. I, I, I don't know whether to, to kind of salute his, uh, his goal or yeah. just, you know, kind of ask what's going on in his head. Maybe the, maybe the actions of a condemned man. Maybe uh, maybe he thought, screw it, I'm getting banned anyway, I might as well go out in flames. Yeah. And he seems like such a nice chap off the field, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's very, he's very mild-mannered when he talks on camera, 
um, he seems like a really like lovable guy. Yeah. But um, as we all know, how people respond in daily life and how they respond on a sports field is often totally different. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you who has stuck up for Kagisa Rabada. James Anderson. <laughs> well, Jimmy's a very emotional man too sometimes, yeah. isn't he? No surprises. No surprises there, I guess. Uh, Jimmy Anderson said, there's definitely got to be a place for emotion. I've been there and done it. The thing is, you have to control it the best you can. Sometimes it is hard, especially in the heat of the moment in a big series, if you get an important wicket. Um, and I think especially against Australia. Well, I think this is the other thing, right? So Australians are kind of, they're kind of the gold standard when it comes to, to sledging. Uh, of course, they have, they have basically taken it upon themselves to tell everyone where the line is. They are in charge of the line, apparently. Yeah. And so I think that... The holders of the line. They are the holders of the line. So I think that, um, that opposition players, it adds something to their celebrations. It, clearly it does, yeah. I think. I think, um, I think it's almost a payback, you know, from when Warner has probably been talking to Rabada when he's batting or whatever else, and he gets that wicket and he, he gets him excited. Look, I, I think that whole... I, I think a lot of South Africans and, and English players do sledge a lot too. So I don't think it's only the Australian players, but I think the Australian players do tend to lead on this whole where the line is. And I think we'll talk about it later in the show about where yeah. is the bloody line. Well, I think that the thing with the Australian camp, I remember Nasser Hussain said once, you know, they get quite self-righteous about sledging. You know, they kind of, you know, they have this sort of whole philosophy around it. And I think they kind of expect everyone to buy into it. Yeah, um, true. The, the thing we haven't discussed, which, which, which also kind of unfolded since our last podcast, um, the whole uh, Quinton de Kock, uh, David Warner, yeah, um, kerfuffle, uh, you know that was pretty ugly. Um, I think you probably want to say something. I didn't know about all of this Sunny Bill Williams stuff until the yeah. the mask episode. It was it's pretty disgraceful behaviour. I mean, you've got to say if that's what he said to David Warner, you know, some people don't know the story. Basically, before David Warner was married to his current wife, um, she had a fling with Sonny B Bill Williams, um, and apparently Quinton de Kock brought that up in the sledge. Uh, and the next day, I think uh, a lot of the South African fans wore Sonny Bill Williams masks to the ground. Um, Sonny Bill Williams, of course, is the New Zealand rugby player. Um, I think that's pretty feral, uh, and it's pretty disrespectful to David Warner's wife, to be honest. So using that kind of stuff at the ground it's it's really feral of fans to do that like i don't care who you are yeah. um the best and really brightest kind of like disgusting. clearly best and brightest yeah. amongst yeah really fans. i mean you know there's there's just a lot of idiots aren't there and it's there really it's very is. regrettable um yeah i think and then to have some south african officials being photographed yeah. together with these idiots yeah. at the ground i think it's a disgrace it really is well back to the cricket then yeah um so our predictions not looking too smart. Um, what did you say, three one? I did, and you know I was really bullish about it after the first test. And back down to earth, South Africa. I have to say they played really well. Um, I, I yeah, they did. We didn't even mention Ab de Villiers and what a masterclass he is showing in batting. Look, I think South Africa have had momentum since day four in the first test. Right. Um, okay. The Australians dominated the first couple of days, and to be honest, they were quite lucky to get a big first inning score as they did. If you remember, the tail wagged quite strongly. 
Um, so there's a lot of questions to the Australian batting order going into the next test. Um, I think they'll bounce back. Uh, I do wonder about the, the tiredness of the bowling attack. Their speeds were way down. If you had a look at the speed gun, you know, in the Ashes regularly, you saw Mitchell Stark and Josh Hayesworth bowling in the mid-140s and mm-hmm. higher. Mm. You didn't see that in this test match. Interesting. And I think in the first innings where um, we saw Amla and Elgar blunt the attack for like 45 overs um, and Smith persisted with the fast bowlers, I think it really wore them down a bit. Uh, they have a week to recover or so. So let's see how they turn up in um, the next test. Yeah, I thought Elgar and Amla played crucial roles, actually, um, in, in blunting the bowlers. Uh, and then de Villiers basically delivered the innings he's been threatening to for a couple of months now. He was he? so good. Yeah, he just yeah. batted. You know, and he's capable of that. He really is. You, yeah. you kind of forget that he, he is one of the best batsmen on the planet. You do, yeah. Um, he hasn't done it in test cricket for a while. It was great to see him bat that way. Got some good support from the South African tail as well. And I think, I think maybe the Australian bowlers are kind of fanboys of A.B. de Villiers. I mean, he got some real rubbish deliveries too. He got a bunch of full tosses, some really wide, uh, a short pitch bowling. It was a bit weird. They, I think they seemed to be almost caught an attractive beam of A.B. Mm. de Villiers. Um, <laughs> but that's what good batsmen do, don't they? They do, yeah. They, they kind of, yeah, they sort of negate whatever the bowler's strengths are. And yeah. before you know it, they're, they're on top of you. And he's very good at that. He's very good at getting on top of he's a bowler. Very dominant. You know, he's an he aggressive, really he's an aggressive batsman. Now, coming back to Australia, and we'll, we'll discuss um, the, 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 the Chris Rogers role a little bit later. Their batting, it really looked like, you know, the bad old days of the Australian mm. batting performances away from home over the last five years. You know, it looked like you could have you could have seen this kind of performance in in India or England and one of Australia's overseas tours. They looked very brittle. You know, without Steve Smith delivering, um, they they subsided pretty meekly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's probably not as bad as that. I, I thought Kawaja had a pretty good knock in the second dig. I think Cameron Bancroft seems to be getting into the twenties and thirties now and looking okay. So. There are some okay signs there. I think that it's not going on with it. So it's not a disaster. It might be a mindset issue. And I think Chris Rogers will add something to that for sure. Because, I mean, he, he scored runs in England, South Africa uh, on these wickets. And he's, you know, Graham Gooch once said about his coaching role was, I'm not teaching people how to score runs. Sorry, I'm not teaching them how to, how to bat. I'm teaching them how to make runs, right? So I think it's about making runs and being dogged uh, and really pushing through some of those difficult um, spells in the game. Um, you know, in the first day, I think Mitchell, Mitchell Marsh did have a tummy bug. Apparently a lot of the players did. Um, South Africans must have given him some dodgy food. Um, even the umpire had to go off with, um, the runs. Oh, so to speak. Interesting. Well, so, this is, this is great insight here. I didn't know this. This is yeah, the kind so of the stuff. First day, I think, I think Mitchell Marsh was kind of throwing up. He came out to bat and he played an atrocious shot on a stroke of lunch, um, outside the off stump, like wafting at a ball that he should have just let go. Um, was dismissed. So, yeah, I think let's see, let's see what happens in Cape Town. Yeah, I mean, it's come to something when the team is kind of relying on Mitchell Marsh to uh, to, to to bail it out. I'm not sure I share your confidence. I think um, I think Steve Smith has got to score some big runs and in a hurry because mm. you know Warner, uh, well, he's he scored a, a good half century, 
and Kawaja did as well. Um, but otherwise, it was a pretty forgettable performance. I'm, you know, Bancroft, 20s and 30s, a nice uh, Cape Town is going to be... Well, we don't know what kind of pitch we're going to get in Cape Town. Mm. Um, but if it plays according to Cape Town's history, it's, you know, it's one of the, the, the fastest pitches in the world. Uh, the, the, the pitch in the India uh, series was, did not live up to those expectations. Um, so it, it could be a bit slower, and I'm not sure that will play to Australia's strengths either, because yeah. they, they seem to struggle a little bit on these, these pitches where they have to um, you know, make the going themselves. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a late... It's late in the season too, so the pitch might be a bit slower. But without Rabada, uh, who are they going to bring in? Yeah, good question. Well, you know, he's he's appealing, right? So they may put the of ban course. on hold. Yeah, they might. Um, but if not Rabada, uh, I I would have. Can they bring back Morny Morkel? I'm I'm assuming he's he's still first in the queue. I, I imagine he is because I I think Stain's not available now, is he? No, Stain's not back until. I think it's next month or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, so Morning Morka will be next up. They uh, is Chris Morris. Is he? Is he? I, I'm not sure he's in the squad. Is he? Um, oh no, it's it's um, Dwayne Olivier. Is, yeah, um, Olivier. Is and he other... did pretty well in the warm up game against Australia, I think. So he he, he might come in on Morning Morka, I guess. But you think Morning would be pretty fired up to have you know to play in his last series and really come at the Australians? You'd think. I mean, he's a he's a good guy to have as, as yeah. your as your yeah, backup, handy, handy backup bowler. Definitely, um, Chris Morris, I think, or Dwayne Olivier. They're saying are the, are the two others, and Stain cannot be considered yet. Do you think Australia will make any changes? Uh, I don't. I don't. I'd be surprised if they did, barring any kind of injury. Like I think they were there and thereabouts parts of the game. But yeah, just 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 didn't push through in those key moments. So I mean, I think you're right. Warner and Smith need to sort of stand up in this next test. Yeah, yeah, they do. They're the two best batsmen for Australia, and you know, at least on kind of form of the last year or two, they've been better than most of the South African batsmen. So they need. So they I really think they might bounce deliver. back. That's Although at the same time, you can argue Smith can't be expected to do it all. So yeah. So that, so that is South Africa, Australia. Uh, what's next in our whip round? I think we're going to talk about the World Cup qualifiers. Oh, you yes. seem to be so fascinated with it. So yeah, so I have been. Um, so that it is an interminable tournament. Has been seems to have been going on forever. We have now reached the Super Sixes stage at last. Um, the big news probably is that Afghanistan crept through by the skin of their teeth. It actually looked like um, they were going to be knocked out um, after losing to um, three teams in the first phase, including Hong Kong. So it was Hong Kong's first win over um, a full member. But somehow yeah. Afghanistan made it through on run rate. So they only won. Wow. they've only won one match, but they've made it through on run rate. Um, they join from Group B, Zimbabwe and Scotland, who are probably the surprise package from that group, who've won, who won um, three matches. And amazingly, there was a tie for the other one. Um, wow. And then from the other group, uh, no 
No real surprises. I mean, the West Indies and Ireland have gone through. They're clearly the two strongest teams. Um, and the UAE just narrowly edged out the Netherlands for the other spot. Um, mm. And, you know, I think that was a little bit of a surprise because you, yeah, yeah. you kind of expect the Netherlands to go through. So we're now into the Super Sixes. The big match actually taking place later today is Afghanistan versus West Indies. The, the, the weird thing is, is there's still various matches going on in terms of um, playoffs uh, for teams that um, apparently have been eliminated. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure why they have these playoffs. Perhaps someone can, can provide answers. Um, but it's in keeping with a tournament in which nothing is really clear about the structure or the format. Uh, but yes, we do know that uh, who's in the Super Sixes and we do know who's out. The Super Sixes will now proceed and we will get to a point where two teams make it through to the World Cup. And quite frankly, Darren, I, I think I should stop there because I just can't handle... Um, the World Cup qualifier format anymore. Kind of, <laughs> I feel like my brain is going to explode at this point. It really is the the, the most co fiendishly complex tournament. It um, really is. You got ten teams going down to six, and then with only two qualifying. It seems very very complicated. What about over south of Australia in New Zealand with the England team? Yeah, well, I'll leave that. Um, I'll leave that one to you. Uh, much to my chagrin, it looks like they might get beaten by a New Zealand eleven, which would be very exciting and a good way to start the uh, tour. Of course, mm -hmm. they stumbled their way through the one-day series to win 3-2, which was a hard-fought series. Uh, some good games, but I thought the final was very one-sided and England won quite easily and they did it quite well. Um, so we have, starting next week, two test matches. Speaking of long tournaments, it's, it, it, it still feels like this like like England landed in Australia in September or, or October last year. It feels like it's been going on for six or seven months still. And they still have two tests to play. They must be a tired bunch. Uh, and it also appears that Ben Stokes has got a bit of a back problem, but they're playing it down. So hopefully he'll play that match. What do you think, Arun? Will they, will they roll the Kiwis or will the Kiwis roll them? Or are we going to go for a fence-sitting 1-1? <laughs> <laughs> um I think it will really all depend on England's bowling attack, actually. Mm. I think New Zealand will give a very good account of themselves in their own conditions. They're a formidable unit. Their bowlers are bowling well. You know, Trent Bolt in particular, um, he's a real handful. I think the batting, you know, Kane Williamson um, is, is a top-notch player. Of course, Martin Guptill as well. Uh, Ross Taylor. Um, so they'll, they'll all do well. The big question, I think, will be around England's bowling and whether Anderson and Broad um, deliver. Because they were, not Anderson less so, but Broad in particular was quite off colour in mm. the Ashes. He's remodelled his action. Um, and and um, I will ask you more about them later on. But I do think that uh, a lot depends on them for the England team. They've got... Mark Wood back, right? Which he was out of the ashes, so that, that's a good that's a good one, good guy to have back yeah. in these conditions. He's quite sharp. Definitely. Um, and Overton, they have in the squad with Wokes, uh, Anderson, and Broad. So not a bad attack. I think you're you're right. Broad does need to step up to the plate. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's re a reasonable attack. I think mm -hmm. we might. I was hoping in this tour match we would see Folks, Wokes, and Stokes in the same team, but of course we won't see that. Yeah, uh, well, that, that's that's. When that that would be a, 
an, an amazing moment for cricket ultra. A great trifecta. Yeah, I mean, and, and for the world in general. I, I wasn't actually aware that folks were still in the squad, but well done to him. Beat, but, and his name is BT, folks. Right, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not entirely sure who he is, but well done to him <laughs> for, for remaining in the squad. <laughs> he must be a good guy. <laughs> he, he must be great in the pub. Um, yeah, good around the team. Wokes is another one, actually. You know, Wokes is a, is, has kind of gone off the boil massively. Um, he had a great two-year run, uh, particularly at home, though. And he has to, I think, step up. Yeah, um, he did a, well in the one-day games. He uh, did, but there's the a bowling. lot expected of, of Wokes. Yeah, there He's is not really expected. delivering in, in the longer form at the moment. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I'm just going to... Just when you thought the World Cup qualifier couldn't end... Um, I now have a, a, I think I have a reason for why they are playing these playoffs. You do? I do, yes, because um, for many of these teams, their one-day status depends on how they perform in these playoffs. Um, so that is oh. actually at stake. Okay. Um, so indeed, Hong Kong could lose its one-day status, I think, if it loses to Netherlands in its playoff there's, today. There's a lot at stake then. There is a lot at stake. Yeah, so I, let me apologise for, for yeah. giving the playoffs such short shrift and assuming, yeah. assuming they were only there to fulfil the needs of, 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 uh, of bookmakers in Mumbai. So actually you're saying there's a method to the ICC's madness? I'm not sure I'd go that far. Um, <laughs> I think there's, you know, one-day status is important, but they, shouldn't, they should really make some of these things a little bit clearer. It really isn't. Um, are we done with New Zealand-England? Do you have a prediction for the series? I wouldn't be surprised if New Zealand wins a series. Yeah. I wouldn't at all. I mean, I, I, I could see it being, you know, a 2-0. Um, I'm not sure England's bat batting really has what it takes either. Yeah. Um, which is why I think their bowling is... They're going to rely on, on their, you know, their swing bowlers to keep them in the game. Yeah. And of course you're right, they're very good at home, the swing bowlers. They have another guy called Neil Wagner who does very well in New Zealand as well. Okay, so in focus, you had a topic, I think, that you wanted to discuss. Yeah. Disciplinary proceedings. Right. So obviously this, this Africa-Australia series has been a bit marred by kind of on-field and off-field antics. Mm. Um, and it seems to me that the match referee has a lot of power to decide on penalties, um, bans, and kind of punitive action. So, mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think about it? I mean, do, do we need to have red cards, yellow cards? Do we need to redefine the line? The line. Where is, what the, is line? the line? Who walks the line? So, I am with Ian Chappell on this, because I think Ian Chappell in general talks a lot of sense. Um, I think if we don't do something, someone is going to get punched on a cricket field mm. or on the steps leading off the cricket field. And, you know, the only way to regulate behavior really is by having sanctions that are in both enforceable uh, and actually change behavior, I think. Mm. You know, self-regulation isn't going to work. I think we're aware of that. Um, the umpires kind of having a quiet word or whatever doesn't appear to work either. Um, so, 
sadly, I think, because I think it is sad that cricket has got to this point, um, I do think there should be some form of, of disciplinary sanctions that do involve cards, whether they're yellow cards or red cards. I don't know if the... I mean, if the red card is to send a player off, that's a pretty harsh sanction. Yeah. I mean, I mean you're basically... I mean, it's hard to see a team winning a game from that position. But, you know, that, it, that would really change behaviour. Yeah, it would. I mean, even if it's yellow cards, right? So obviously in rugby and other games, you have sin bins too, right? You get 10 minutes off the field. So, I mean, there could be minor sanctions where, um, I don't know how the batting side would work. It's kind of easy for a bowler, right? You could be sanctioned for not bowling for a certain amount of time. But I, I guess when you're batting, do you send somebody off for 10 minutes <laughs> tell them to come back? Because um, that would screw up the batting order, right? I mean, if you're opening the batting and you and you get in stuck into the bowler and you're sent off, right? And the number three comes out to bat. I mean, he wouldn't be too happy, right? No, of course. I mean, it definitely—it's definitely disruptive. But then there's also a case to be made where you could be batting quite badly out there. You could be out of sorts. Yeah. You know, you could be Cameron Bancroft, <laughs> and all of a sudden Steve Smith is walking out. Right. That's not the worst thing in the world. So you mean he would intentionally sledge somebody just to be sent off? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's not the worst thing in the world. So you'd have to, there, there needs to be a bit more thinking, certainly for the, for does. the, for the batsman, um, in terms of how this would play out. Yeah. Um, but I do think there needs to be harsher disciplinary sanctions. I I'm agree. I'm not sure. What, whatever is happening now is, is not working. Yeah, and I think this whole catch-all phrase of you know, bringing the game into disrepute is, is, is too broad and, and not very well-defined. Um, you know, most other games, they define it, right? They define what that means. So I think in cricket, they need to define what that means, right? And it's really up to the umpires on the field, plus the match referee, the three of them to work it out together when people have crossed the line, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, you know, cricket has this heritage. It has this kind of, this vaguely defined spirit of cricket, mm. which it's not really a, an enforceable regulation. No, it's not. It's silly. Uh, well, in a way, it's kind of romantic. Um, yeah, but it is romantic. It's it's clear that it doesn't really hold much much sway now. Yeah, I think um, it's just it hasn't, and this is where I think some cricket hasn't really evolved. Right? It's like the mm. whole thing about that exploded years ago about you know, do you walk if you you know get an edge? Do you walk or not? I mean, why would you walk? That's crazy. I mean, the umpire should be giving you out. I mean, no other sport would somebody volunteer themselves for a foul. Um, I think it's really silly. I think, I think, you know, cricket has to move on and just define these spirit of cricket rules. Yeah, I can see your point, but I must confess, I've always been someone that's walked, um, <laughs> mainly because I, I just think I might as well put myself out of this agony at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Take one for the team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just let someone else come in and, and, and have a go at batting. Um, I don't know. There are still players that walk, though. You know, I don't know. I, I like the idea, but you're right. It's probably hopelessly, hopelessly romantic, romantic. at this point. And, and, it really is. And unenforceable. Yeah. Well. So let's see I what say? happens. I, I think there's going to be definitely a conversation and, and more discussions around the ICC defining the rules. So I think we, we can see more on this and we'll comment more on that as they come out. So will Chris Rogers really help Australia become a better batting unit or... Do you believe that batting coaches are overrated and maybe Chris Rogers didn't have the best record himself in t test cricket, 
is not going to make that much of a difference. <laughs> Didn't have a good record. Uh, he has a pretty good record. Um, Does he? I kind of always yeah. see him as this guy who came out. I remember watching him at, at Lords, and it was the worst Australian performance I've ever seen. It was the twenty, it's the twenty thirteen Ashes, when they were really bad, and you may remember this dismissal. He got out to a full toss. He he, and it wasn't just he tapped it to cover. It was really? it was just. See, I don't remember was, that. Maybe I've I've washed that away. You have. <laughs> you, if you watch it, you will really. It was kind of the lowest point, I think for Australian cricket from the, from the past decade. But anyway, tell us why he'll help Australia become a better batting unit. Well, I, like, I think he, he has done it um, in different conditions. I, I think, you know, maybe he had a bad trot in that season, but I think he's done it well in England. He's batted around the world very well. I think they're also probably appointing him in the lead up to the Ashes, the next Ashes in England, I think, um, where he's very familiar. As you know, Captain Somerset, I, I believe, he is. Um, yep. He, he played knows much of his cricket. Well, he plied his trade there for many years, and plight he did apparently. Um, so look, I think he'll be good. Um, he has the respect of the current players. Um, I think somebody needs to get into their heads around how they play reverse swing bowling. They seem to be very loose. Um, you know, normally when you play reverse swing, I'm not saying that it's easy to face Ravada, but you, you normally have a short back lift and try to negate it that way. And just as we saw with Amla and Algar. You've got to find a way to get through that tough period because what you saw is that you know, the, the new rock didn't swing very much and then after 15, 20 overs, the reverse swing started and then towards the, you know, the 60th over, it starts to s- slow down again. It doesn't really swing much. And I think those guys batted that sort of 40 over period where it was swinging around and they got through it and then you know, it was easier for the tail to come out and bat, I think. So um, you've just got to find a way to get through those difficult periods. It's like when you're playing on a real raging turner, right? You've got to work out a way just to stay in there for a while and rip the rewards later. Yeah, I mean, so I'm going to ask a follow-up, really, but do you think batting coaches and bowling coaches, for that matter, make that much of a difference? Because I'm a little bit sceptical, I must confess. I think they can. I mean, go back to my Graham Gooch quote before. I mean, he said to the guys he wasn't teaching them how to bat, but how to make runs. And making runs is often a mental process. I mean, all the guys who play in that South Africa team or Australia team, they have the skills, but do they have the mental wherewithal to fight through those tough periods and make some big runs? It's all about making big runs, right? Whether, no matter how it looks. And Chris Rogers wasn't a very pretty batsman to watch, but he made a lot of big runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, it, if it helps, then why not? Um, I suppose I've, I've kind of thought if you if you're good enough to get into the international team then somewhere along the line you've made big runs consistently right well i think um, you know if you look at football for example right the coach has an enormous role in football um and they definitely can get the best out of their players so the coach's role no matter it's batting or bowling is to get the best out of those players mm, yeah and they can definitely help they can i'm yeah i Okay, let's move on. We'll discuss maybe, this more. Are you, saying he's getting, are you saying he's getting appointed maybe just because he's Lehman's buddy? I, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. I think, I think Darren Lehman is a little bit lonely. Right. Um, <laughs> it's lonely at the top. For both. At the top. It is lonely at the top. Um, no, I don't think that. I think I'm just a little skeptical about batting and bowling coaches. I, and, you know, I'm not the only one, I don't think. I'm sure, there are, I'm sure many players are, to be honest with you. I think if you're... Jimmy Anderson, 
and you're you're this this thoroughbred bowler with a beautiful action. What what is Chris Silverwood going to teach you? Well, he's going to look at him. You know, now they have a lot of um, technical things they can look at. They can look at working on stuff together. So definitely, they, you know, even if you make them someone one percent better, right? Or if they work on the new delivery together, somebody can bounce ideas around with them. I think that's definitely valuable. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, we'll discuss this more. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, your so, question. You've mentioned to me before several times about this young guy called Washington Sunder, the 18-year-old right-arm off spinner. What a name! Um, I saw overnight he he took a few wickets in the uh, T20 game. Did uh, against Bangladesh, right? Took three. So is he? You know, he's all, almost retro, right? He's a right-arm off spinner, which seemed to be out of fashion these days in limited overs cricket. Is he the real deal, or is he a flash in the pan? Yeah, I mean, we talked about him, I think, way back, maybe on the first episode of Cricket Ultras, you know, back when we were young and <laughs> bright-eyed, I think, without the cynicism. Naive. But, but, yeah, naive, you know, that quite, quite as jaded as we sound now. Um, having said all that, I am not quite so cynical about Washington Sunder, uh, mainly because he's so young still. Um, he is 18 years. He just turned 18, in fact. Um, he played very well against uh, Bangladesh last night. He's having a good tournament for India in Colombo. He's only in the team, though, because um, a number of Indian players are being rested. Uh, and we should mention, of course, that this is 20-over cricket, um, which is his preferred format. Um, now, you don't want me to hedge... But no. it's really, really hard to say. Um, the, the things he has going for him is that he's not flustered uh, on the big stage. He has some good variations and he's a good batsman, which will stand him in good stead yeah. in the limited overs game. On the flip side, there's been a number of Indian spinners who have come and gone. Um, mm. And it's, it's kind of difficult to say whether he will last. But I'm mm. going to say yes. Um, okay. I do think he has a, 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 a pretty decent international future ahead of him. And that's not just because he's from Chennai, right? <laughs> that's totally because he's from Chennai. <laughs> and he has such a great name. Yeah, and, he does uh, have a good name. Yeah, that, 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 those are the only reasons that, that really matter. Great analysis um, once again. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, my second question to you. Um, will Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad be leading the bowling for England this summer? Ten years. Mm. Uh, will they both be in the team for the first test? Well, let's not say... No, let, okay, let's, I, not, let's not say the first test. For the, because the first test, no doubt, will be in May against like, the West Indies and, and you know, mm. anyone will take wickets. For the, the showpiece Lord's test in... Um, July, August, let's say, um, will Anderson and Broad be leading the bowling? It is now 10 years since they took charge of the England attack against New Zealand, actually. Wow. Um, funnily enough. I think they've got a, yeah, the 10 year anniversary. Uh, you've got to, you've got to do something with that. Um, look, I, I hope they're playing together because I'm, I'm, I might be going to one of those test matches in August. So I'd hope to see um, Broad and Anderson leading the attack, perhaps with Wood. Um, maybe Overton and Wokes. So that's not, a, that's not a bad bowling lineup. I think they do well, obviously, in English conditions. So I'm pretty sure they'll play. 
Okay, interesting. You don't think time is catching up with them? No, they're still... I mean, Jimmy's still bowling well. I mean, Jimmy bowled pretty well in the Ashes, let's be honest. Um, he did, yeah. He didn't embarrass himself. Stewart he did a bit off the boil. Um, but he's, Stuart is broader, still quite young. He's only early 30s. So I think they've got some gas in the tank. Okay. I think the other thing helping them is that the, the lineup of, of bowlers to replace them are not exactly knocking the door down. Setting the world on fire. No. Um, I mean, Mark Wood, very good. Um, but then after that, as you mentioned, there's Overton. There's actually two Overtons. I don't know if you're aware of this. There's, a, there's, a, there's another <laughs> C. Overton. Overton. Yeah, there's a brother. M. B. Overton. I think Jake Overton, um, who's also very good, apparently. Um, of course, there's our buddy T. Curran. Um, he has a brother somewhere, right, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, I'm sure he does, you know. I don't know. Um, he's also a cricketer. I don't know what his name is. Oh, okay. But it's, he's it's also something a Curran. Right. Okay. Excellent. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. It does just doesn't feel like the the fast bowling stocks are in great shape. Even though they've tried out a number of bowlers, none of them seem to have stuck. So I think that will help Anderson and Broad. Mm. Um, did you have a second question for me, or did you already ask it? Yeah, I think I already asked it during the uh, podcast, okay. but I do have one last question for you sure. because I know you are such a great fan of the Cricket World Cup qualifier. <laughs> Who is going to win that tournament? Oh man, you're really putting me on the spot. Um, actually, you're not. I think the West Indies are mm. going to win the tournament. I don't think that's a difficult prediction to make if all of their players turn up um, on any given day. Yeah. Um, then you're talking, you know, about the likes of Chris Gale, Marlon Evan Samuels. Lewis. Yeah, Marlon Samuels, Devin, Devin Lewis. Lewis. Doing well. Yeah. They're kind of head and shoulders, really, above above the other teams in the tournament. Um, having said, calls it. Yeah, <laughs> having said all that, once they qualify for the World Cup, which I'm expecting they will, it doesn't matter who wins the tournament, as you right. know. It's a, it's a meaningless true. game. That's true. Um, and I could quite easily see them losing as well. So, yes, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's possible. Doesn't um, really answer your question. But, once they've qualified. But all right. Have it. Okay, so hopefully that will keep our Cricket Ultras fans satisfied <laughs> until our next instalment. Excellent. Thank you all for listening. Darren, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> thank you, Arun. See you soon.